writing you to remind you that we should love one another. I'm sending Onesimus back to you, and he comes with my own heart. I felt the necessity to write you, appealing that you contend earnestly. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The exiles of Israel will return, and the Lord himself will be king. We're continuing to walk through our series, Fistful of Scripture. So if you remember, we're looking at the five one-chapter books of the Bible. And this week, we're looking at Third John. So I want to invite you, if you have your Bible with you, to take that out and uh, go to the chapter of, or the book of Third John. You can do that on your phone if you're like me and um, you have found yourself with a Bible that is portable and technological more often than one that is paper and I can write on. So, will you stand with me? We're going to read the entire letter at 3 John. It's, it's uh, not terribly long. It's 15 verses. So, to the elder, the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts to these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them, he wants to, and then puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. Father, we thank you for this word, this truth from John the Apostle to his friend Gaius. And Lord, we just ask that you would open our eyes to the the truth that is contained in this little letter, that we may glean how to live from it. And to walk as Gaius does. Walk in the truth. Amen. So you can have a seat. Hey, I want to tell you something, and you might be aware of this, but one of our desires here is to have an evangelism process, right? Which is a good thing for a church. Kind of what we're called to do. And, and we want our process to be summed up in three words. Come and see. Those are Jesus' words to his followers in John 1. And that phrase, come and see, is an invitation to actually follow Jesus. And it's our evangelism process because this is what we believe. We believe that if we are strong and faithful followers of Jesus, then we can invite others to come and see him in our lives, in how we live and in how we walk. 
So it's a process that requires two things of each of us in this room. First, that we follow Jesus closely. Second, that we lead others well in the faith. That means that each of us should be faithful as both followers of Jesus and leaders. So I recently Googled two phrases. The first phrase I Googled was leadership training programs. I got 1,280,000,000 results. No way you could sift through all that. But then I also got Googled follower training programs. Interesting. I got 344 million results. Way more than I thought I would get, honestly. But the reality is, if you Google leadership training, you get three times the results that you get if you seek to find a way to be a good follower. Why is that? I think we all kind of know why. It's because there's something in us that craves to be a leader. We want to lead. We don't want to follow. We value being a leader. We value leaders. We don't necessarily value followers. But however, there's truth that we have to embrace as apprentices of, as apprentices of Jesus. And this is the truth. Great followers make the best leaders. We have to embrace that reality and that truth. And so as we look at the book of 3 John today, I intend to help you see two things. The same things that John was inviting Gaius into seeing. First, how to discern who to follow. The second is how to be a great follower. So to start with, we understand and we all know that we're all called to follow Jesus. Even those who aren't following Jesus have been called to follow him at some point. He's our leader. He's the final authority of our lives. Listen to this in 1 Peter 2, verse 21. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his footsteps. We're invited to follow. We're invited to follow Jesus. But we're also told of the benefit of having good examples to follow in Christ. For example, in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, Paul tells his readers in the church in Corinth, follow after me, imitate me as I imitate Christ. In Philippians 3, 17, he tells believers to imitate and watch the example of those who walk in the faith. We're following Jesus. We're doing that in community. And in that community, we should be seeking out good examples of how to follow Jesus walking together. And so I want to give you a brief overview of 3 John before we dive into these, these two things we're going to look at today. So John, the apostle, the beloved of Jesus, is accepted as the author of this letter. And if you remember when we went through 2 John, he's also the author of that letter as well as 1 John, which we didn't look at. But this letter was probably written sometime around 90 to 95 AD. So it was uh, about 60 some odd years after the resurrection of Jesus. But we don't know for sure when this was written. The audience in this letter is a man named Gaius, which is interesting, because oftentimes letters, epistles in the New Testament say they're to the church in, to the church in Corinth, the church in Ephesus, the church in, in Colossae. But this is a letter to a man who's an elder in the church. We don't know where that church is, but we do know the person who the letter was intended for. It was Gaius, who's a letter. He's, he's an elder in the church. He's a member of this church. And it's possible that Gaius was actually brought to faith in Jesus by John. 
Because he says in verse four that Gaius is one of his children. And so, so one of the key verses is verse 11. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. And so this brings us to one of the key themes. Key themes of 3 John. Discern who you're going to follow and who you're going to receive. Receive into your life, to have influence in your life. Be discerning in that. And so there's three key players in this letter. Gaius, who John is praising and encouraging. Diotrephes, who John warns Gaius about because he is self-serving and prideful and arrogant, and he's actually a leader in the church that Gaius is an elder at. And then finally, there's a man named Demetrius who John also recommends to guys as a worthy example. So, our first task here is to discern what makes someone worthy to follow. How do we know someone is worthy for us to follow after, particularly in faith? What is it that we should be seeking out and looking for in the person that we're going to follow in Christ? Person who could be a mentor for us. And so there's three things that John takes note of in this letter as he's encouraging Gaius. And these three things, I think, are excellent indicators of whether or not someone is actually worthy to follow in the faith. So first is in verse 3. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you, talking to Gaius, are walking in the truth. So John commends Gaius for walking in the truth. He's saying your lifestyle, you're living it out. You're not just professing this stuff, you're actually living it. And what John is saying here is find someone who's walking in the same direction as you. Walking in the truth. You find someone who's also walking in the truth. And so the first lesson on who to follow is a question. Are they walking in the truth? That is, does this person's walk line up with their talk? Are they somebody who's constantly professing reality and truth of Christ and then stepping into it? Or are they more talking about things and you don't see that showing up in their walk? And so here's the first thing. If you're going to follow someone in Christ, follow a person who leads in integrity, who you can look at their words and their life and say there's no difference. They're seeking what they profess. And so then John gives Gaius a negative example to help prove another point about who to follow. He addresses the issue of a poor leader in the church. He addresses Diotrephes. He says that Diotrephes is a leader who likes to put himself first, who refuses to place himself under authority, who lords his authority over others. Jesus has already warned his apostles to not be this type of leader. Remember back in Matthew 20, remember this? Um, James and John's mother comes to Jesus. And James and John, they're the sons of Zebedee. They're they're apostles of Jesus. They're called sons of thunder in in, in the gospel. And I've always thought, well, why was Zebedee called thunder? But after reading this, I think maybe mama was thunder. And it wasn't Zebedee so much. But she comes to Jesus and says, hey, look. Put my two sons in key leadership positions in your kingdom. Well, guess what happened? The other apostles got upset about this. Right? Makes sense. 
And then listen to what Jesus says starting in verse 25. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and not to give his and to give his life as ransom. So here's the thing. John was part of this object lesson that Jesus was teaching the apostles in this moment. This lesson about being humble and about serving as a leader. But he wasn't part of it in a positive way. John was part of the don't do this example in this lesson of Jesus. And now here's John humbly sharing with Gaius what he learned in that moment when mama showed up and said, put my son in charge. And so here's the second lesson on who to follow as you look for someone to walk in the faith with you. Follow a person who leads in humility. And then finally, John gets to Demetrius. He points Demetrius out to guys and he tells him that everyone says Demetrius is just a good dude. He even goes so far as to say that even the truth itself, what Gaius is walking in, the truth itself says that Gaius, that uh, Demetrius is a good example. And then he says this in verse 12, we also add our testimony and you know that our testimony is true. So John is setting Demetrius up in front of Gaius and saying, look, the truth itself tells you this is a guy to follow. We're telling you this is a guy to follow. And here's the lesson we get from that. John's telling Gaius to inspect the fruit of the one he might follow. Look at their life. Who's speaking well of them? Who's speaking poorly of them? What does the truth testify about this life? Are they doing good? And so, Doing good in the sense of not just talking about doing good, but actually doing good. Then they might be worthy to follow. That might be someone you want to walk after in Christ. And so that's the third lesson on who to follow. Are they doing good? So follow a person who leads in goodness. So this is what we have. If you're going to follow someone, you follow somebody who leads in integrity, who leads in humility, who leads in goodness. Finding the right person to follow after in Christ is important. It's critical. But being a great follower is important too. And so John gives guys truth that will help him be a great follower here as well. So this letter is helping Gaius see who do I follow after, but it's also seeing him, help him, helping him see how do I follow. Who we follow is critical because we don't want to be led, led astray from Christ. But how we follow is also critical if we're going to grow in Christ intentionally. The kingdom of God is a movement. It's a truth and a reality that Jesus inaugurated in his ministry, in his birth, in the incarnation, and he's still inviting us into that. And hear this, the best way to start a movement is to be a courageous follower. Leaders don't start movements. Followers of leaders start movements. A leader may stand off on their own as a lone nut, 
trying to get people to follow them. But once someone steps up and says, I will follow you, now we've got a movement. 2,000 years later, because the apostles stepped up and said, I will follow, we still have a movement of the kingdom of God here now for all of us. A courageous leader without any followers is not going to accomplish anything. So therefore, Gaius and us, all of us, must be courageous followers long before we entertain the idea of being a leader. John gives Gaius three important lessons to be a great follower. And these are going to sound very familiar because they're the same lessons about who we should follow. When we follow anyone, particularly following after Christ, we follow in integrity. We walk in the truth. That means living as if what we say is true is actually true. We follow in humility. Simply put, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. And if he served others humbly, then to be his follower means that we do the same thing. Our serving isn't about us. It's about others. It's about Christ. And finally, we follow in goodness. And what is goodness? Goodness, simply put, is God's will. What is good? What God desires. And so to follow in goodness means that we put our own will to the side and we seek God's will in all things. But we're also called to lead others as we walk in the faith. Listen to this in Titus 2, verse 7. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. Show yourself to be a model of good works, and in your teaching, show integrity and dignity. In short, if we follow well, we will eventually be leading others in Christ, and we'll be doing that well. It always makes me kind of smirk when I see athletes whose lives are a bit of a uh, train wreck, or, or movie stars, or musicians, and they go, but I never signed up to be a role model. Well, then why did you get out front? You don't have to sign up to be a role model. You know what? Everybody's making disciples. Everyone in this room is making disciples. All of us are making disciples. You know what the question is? The question is of who? Am I making disciples of me? Of how I live? What I want? People that come alongside and serve me and my will? Or am I making disciples of Christ? But make no mistake, if you are hearing my voice right now, there are people in your lives who are looking at you and using you as a model. There's responsibility that comes with that. That's why it's critical that we become courageous followers. And so I want to bring all of this to one point. In 3 John, we have two lessons. These are the two lessons that are being given to us through Gaius, through this letter to Gaius from John. First is how to discern who to follow. We have to be discerning in who we're going to follow. Or we're going to follow people whose ideas and thoughts tickle our ears and make us feel important and puff us up in knowledge. Or we're going to follow people who lead us to the place where we can say with Paul, I have been crucified with Christ. We want to follow people who bring us to the cross not to the mountaintop. Too often, as followers, we're looking for the leader who will elevate us, who will put us in a position to be seen and to get what we want. The leader that we profess to follow brings us to the cross first. 
He brings us to a place of death first. And here's the second thing. The second thing in this that we need to understand is how to, to be a great follower. And that's important. It's important that we become great followers because as I said, great followers make the best leaders. We want to be a church of great followers. Followers who can say to others, come and see in our own lifestyle and have it actually be something that is worth coming to see. Saying, come and see my train wreck is not enticing. But when I'm living in my faith and God is glorified and Christ is doing a work in me and I say, come and see, there's actually something there to see. And so we want to be people who can say, come and see and have it be something worth coming to see. Because we're following Jesus in integrity, in humility, in goodness, then my life actually becomes something worth viewing. My lifestyle becomes something worth seeing. It becomes invitational. Because we're following leaders who lead us towards Jesus in integrity, in humility, in goodness, our lives become something worth seeing. Our friendships and connections can draw others in into something that's worth replicating. So if you want to participate in our evangelism model, this model of come and see, here's your next steps. Exercise discernment in two directions. First, outward. Exercise discernment as you look for people who you can follow after as they follow after Jesus. Look for the people around you in this community of faith, other Christians, people in a life group, people who are friends at work, but you look for people who are leading in integrity, that their lifestyle lines up with what they profess in their faith. They live the same way that God calls them to live. You look for people who are leading in humility, who put others first, who have a servant heart, who can do and live the way Jesus invites us to live as a servant of others, serving others. And you look for people who are leading in goodness, who desire God's will in their own lives first, but also in everybody else's life, whose hearts break when goodness isn't there. And when they have the opportunity to bring goodness, they will take that opportunity. Those are the people you look for to follow. These aren't perfect people. We're not talking about perfect people. We're not talking about super Christians, but we're talking about those who are zealously seeking the kingdom of God, first in their own hearts and lives, and then out there in the community. In every sphere of influence they have, what they want is for God's kingdom to come about. We want to find the kind of people who can say with Paul, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And that statement actually has weight because we can see Jesus in their lives. Then we have to take that discernment and turn it inward. I have to look at my own life. And I need to become a person who is following in integrity, who is following in humility, who is following in goodness. Again, not perfect in behavior, not some type of super Christian, but persistent in a desire to live fully in the kingdom of God now. To live fully in Christ. 
the outcome of discerning who I follow and how I follow will lead me to being someone who is worthy to be followed. That's an uncomfortable thought for me. I'm sure it is for many of you. Because when I look at the little incidences in my life, the little snippets of time, I don't see a lot worth following there. But understand what we're talking about is not perfection in the moment, but a long obedience in the same direction. Can I look at the totality of my life and say I am moving towards the kingdom of God even in this moment if I stepped out of it for that moment? Because what I don't want us to be is a people who won't say to the lost in our community, in our families, in our schools, in our workplaces, come and see because we think we don't have anything to come and see because we don't feel perfect. Listen, if God had intended you to be perfect, you would not need a savior. Matter of fact, you might be him or her. Have a large crowd at your house this afternoon if God intended you to be perfect because we all need that. We have a savior because we can't be perfect. And so perfection is not the standard of whether or not I'm worthy to be followed. Desire is. What am I seeking? Am I walking for the long haul in the same direction towards the same kingdom letting the same things that are just me fall away on the journey. It's Titus 2.7 again. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works and in your teaching show integrity, dignity. You notice the word that's not there? A lot of words aren't there, but this one's not there, perfect. It doesn't say show yourself in all respects to be perfect. We all become models for others to follow in Christ. As we walk as followers in integrity and in humility and goodness, as we follow people who are leading in integrity and in humility and goodness. And then what happens is as great followers, we gradually become great leaders. And if we want our come and see to truly invite people into Jesus, we all must become great leaders of the faith in our circle of influence. There are people in your lives that no one else in this room will ever encounter. You might be the only Jesus in their lives. So if you are not following him well and not leading others well, you will have no influence in that person's life. There are certain people in each of our lives who can only hear, come and see from us. Nobody else. God's entrusted them to us. If we want our come and see to actually mean something, to be an invitation that's worth accepting, that all starts with being a great follower of Jesus in our own lives. That's the starting point. And some people here today, some people watching online, you might be here today because you've heard the invitation from God to come and see. Come and see Jesus and his love for us. Come and see God's desire to be in a relationship with you. Come and see what life in the kingdom of God can actually be like. If you're here today because you've heard the invitation, come and see. I want to tell you this. Hearing the invitation, come and see, doesn't resolve anything. You have to respond. We have to respond to the invitation. Listen to this in John 1, verse 39. 
as his first disciples begin to follow him. And I have this picture in my head as I read this story in the Gospel of John of Jesus walking down this path and, and two guys kind of hiding behind bushes and peeking around corners and following him, following him, following him. And finally he calls them out. And he said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying. And listen to this. And they stayed. They stayed with him that day. For it was about the 10th hour. He said, come and see. But that wasn't the end of the story. They responded. They heard the come and see. And they came and they saw. But they stayed. And they stayed because it was the 10th hour. In short, they stayed because it was late. It was getting dark. It wasn't safe to travel home. They stayed because it was late. And you know what? For some of us in this room, it's late. Maybe not in the sense that, that our day is ending soon, but it's late because we've just lived too long following the wrong people and the wrong things. It's late because we aren't following anything worth following, really. We're chasing after things that serve only us. We're chasing after things that have no eternal value. If it's late for you today, I just want you to know that at the end of this service, we're going to have prayer partners down here. And they would love to talk to you and walk with you in making a decision to stay with Jesus. To hear the come and see that you might have heard today. And to stay with him. And to stay with him because it's late. It's been too long. They want to help you find him as the one that you want to follow. The one who leads in your life with integrity and with humility and with goodness. And they want to help you learn how to follow him with integrity and humility and goodness. And so here's what's about to happen. I'm about to pray and then we're going to sing a song. And if you're at a spot today where you hear God saying, come and see, come and see. And you've come here and you're seeing and you go, okay, this is something we're staying for. But I don't know how to stay. We're going to have people who can help you stay after this service. If you're looking around and going, man, it's late. I've lived a lot of time, a lot of years with a lot of junk. None of it's worth following after. I think it's too late for me. Maybe that's your thought process. Can I just say this? If you have heard the come and see invitation, it is not too late. There's time to say, no, I'm going to stay. The hour is late, but there's still time to stay. And so I'm going to pray, we're going to sing a song, and then we're going to have prayer partners down here. And I want to invite you, if the word of God is on your heart during this song, and you hear, come and see, and you know you need to stay, come down and speak to somebody after this song. Father, we thank you. Just praise you, God. I thank you for the example that you give us in this letter of what it means to be a follower, but also what it means to find somebody who we can follow who's worthy of following God. And I pray that as we become followers of your son 
who follow in integrity and we follow in humility and we follow in goodness that you take our come and see and you give it weight in the lives of those who we love who may not know you. That you take our come and see and you give it gravity. That as we invite others to come and see, our lives contain something worth moving towards and seeing. And so God, do that work in us. Grow each of us in your son intentionally so that our come and see can have a difference in the lives of our friends and family and loved ones who don't know you, in our community for those who don't know you, in this nation for those who don't know you, and that ultimately, God, our come and see will carry so much weight that with all the other come and sees of all the churches in this world, this world gets flipped upside down and that we are standing right side up in Christ. And so, Lord, we ask that our come and see becomes a source of revival first in our own hearts, in our families, in our church, in this community, and in this world. And we ask all that in Jesus' name. Amen.